welcome to Zero Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where all the Panthers media goes away for Thanksgiving and leaves us by ourselves. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is. The Roaring Riot Podcast, Not What You Think, and the Carolina Line for more great talk about your favorite team. Follow the Riot Network on Twitter, at the Riot Network, to stay up to date on all of your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us where you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, took a picture with Shaq and is probably too good for this podcast That's now. right. That's my guy, Shaq. Thank you for coming. I, I didn't know if Diesel. you'd come home after that. I like how you responded to my tweet with like asking him to be on one-day contract as if I had any sort of interaction with him aside from, Shaq, can we get a quick pick? And then threw up the deuce, and then that was it. He was then, on and then he was on to the next over when he where he uh, military-pressed some cheerleaders. So it was awesome, and honestly, he is incredible to see in real life. It's just like it's one of those guys where he's Shaq. I mean, he like he has an aura about him. He seems he was absolutely hilarious, even though I had no interaction with him. You could see him on the other side of the field making like just his motions were hilarious. Every time like the the LSU crowd was chanting Shaq, Shaq, Shaq. It was fun. I mean, I, it was fun. I had a great time. That's my I guy. Was, I was pretty jelly. Neon Boudreaux. <laughs> I was pretty jelly when I saw it. That looked Speaking like, of jelly. Yes. Our favorite is here, Cranberry Foster. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, has thoughts on favorite Thanksgiving sides that it's time for all of our new listeners to hear. I'm thoroughly disappointed that one member of the Charlotte Panthers uh, media. The Charlotte Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, yeah, I I walked into it. It wasn't the, the local media ensemble will not get their can of ocean spray, 14 ounce jellied cranberry sauce with bonus ultimate party meatballs recipe included on the can. So is that, do you cook their that? Loss. You cook that what? with the cranberry sauce? Uh, allegedly. I, I just use the flat knife, go around the edge, <laughs> plop it on, plop it in a bowl and go to work. That's Man. how I like it. <laughs> go to, plop it in a bowl and go to work. If we had episode <laughs> titles, that would be it right off the bat. Throw it in there. Um, yeah. Uh, Colin was nice enough to bring gifts. Usually we don't have parting gifts at, um, at the one day contract show, but he brought some jellied cranberry sauce. And this is really, I mean, this is what you it's picture. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's the. It's, it's high quality. It's not store brand. This is ocean spray. Only the best for you guys. I just wanted a little bit of my Thanksgiving on your Thanksgiving table. So I brought some for everyone. They I'm make ultimate party meatballs with it. I'm going to use Let me know how that recipe. works out. Put that <laughs> out on Instagram. You can follow Nikki on Instagram for her <laughs> ultimate party meatballs separate. <laughs> Just recipe. need to get some uh, Heinz chili sauce. It says I need that as well. Oh, I think I actually have some of that in my house. Perfect. I like chili sauce. It's like ketchup, but like a little bit spicier. It's like ketchup with a kick. Ketchup. I, so here's a. I don't know. Is this a hot ketchup take? Ketchup with a Z. Ketchup is a. Um, is a child's condiment. Is that a hot take? <laughs> not. Not the. Not as it is presented. I think. I think you're seeing more and more artisanal ketchups, right? Mm. Maybe I just I enjoy a lot of fries. Um, but I feel like that. I feel like. The, the like a Sir Kensington's ketchup that's a fancy ketchup <laughs> yeah but the, yeah. The, the the accepted ketchup is absolutely a kids yeah that's a that's that's a kids condiment the fat the mere fact that you're like dip your chicken finger in ketchup and then also your french fry come on those are two different flavors you shouldn't be dipping them in the same condiment although I'm gonna walk that back immediately because ranch goes great with both of those. I was and gonna say honey you mustard. dip it all in ranch. Yeah, that's that's what the answer is. Is, yeah, is, is 2019? I still don't feel like we're fully there where ranch has been accepted 
as, as a condiment. I feel like it is still shunned as if hey, this is supposed to be on a salad, but you're misappropriating it. I feel like it is time that, that America embraces ranch. I think a lot of us have. but I think it, the Midwest it, certainly has. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But it's, it's time to embrace ranch as a condiment. I don't think I think ranch is there now. I think it's I, I think it's more. In fact, I might venture to say, and I would be interested to see uh, what our what our vast listenership uh, would think about this. Is is there? I would think it's gone the other way, and it's more thought of now more of as a condiment than it is as a salad. Like if you're 12 years old, are you like, well, I could put ranch on my salad? No, you're like, I'm going to dip my fries in ranch. So I think, and that's what I meant, is we have a lot of 12- and 13-year-old listeners, I'm sure. They, they voted they just, for you in the, in the People's Choice uh, Podcast <laughs> Awards this year. They wait They wait for uh, for the two curses with bated breath. <laughs> kids' Choice Podcast got, Awards. Yeah, I got slimed. It was, it was Cam Newton and Josh. Those are the award winners of this year's Charlotte Kids Awards. And it's ranch true. dressing. Yeah. <laughs> They dumped ranch on me, I, <laughs> and I and I dunked chicken fingers in the ranch too. I'm trying to think of anything I actually put ketchup on. Meatloaf. Okay, but like it, it but you put it on, on the top of meatloaf for cooking, right? You don't yeah. like, yeah. That's it's not it. a it's not a dunking. No, I'm not dunking. Anything I guess like I'll dunk it. I'll dunk some fries in there, but it's not my preference. Like if you're gonna hand me some ketchup, like, like if I'll, there was no ranch available or McDonald's sweet and sour sauce, I enjoy dipping fries in that as well. Mm, I, so burgers, no no ketchup on your burgers. I'll do it. I ketchup guess. and mustard. I do right. Mayonnaise. Right. I'm just saying as a part of the. I mean, you know, the total but it's package. A, yeah. I mean, it's a, if you're gonna put it on my burger, I'm not gonna be sad. But I think that uh, I'm I'm out. I think I'm, I think somebody just got excited. They heard there's some cranberry sauce here, <laughs> and it just had to roll into the office. Yeah. <laughs> um. I yeah. That's that's my hot studio. take. He oh, left man. quickly. It's crazy. <laughs> he walked in. He realized he walked in on this nonsense. I can turn the mic on if he wants to join. If he wants to join. Oh, here we oh, go. Come on in. <laughs> Sign the contract. Come on in. Um. I think that. Oh, and the phone's ringing. So much. So much is happening. This is the most professional show. It's pretty bumping here for a holiday week. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It is a holiday week, and it's also after five. So, like, who's calling right now? This is not professional at all. Um. Yeah. So that was my. I feel like we just jumped into that as a, uh, as a ketchup as a child's condiment. But you know what? It ain't no lie, baby. Take that ketchup and toss it. Bye. 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 So, in the spirit of the season. Oh, do we have a question? Yeah, that's right. Oh, this is a great one, too. We finally got one on our reviews and ratings. So this is coming from I'm Witty. Am I reading that right? I'm Witty. Thank you for the five-star review, by the way. Is a hot dog. Five stars. Yeah, duh. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not? I have actually been involved in this debate um, with coworkers that got very heated, so I'm very curious to see what happens with the two of you. Oh, sure. I can end this debate right now. Uh, Colin, would you like to come over to my house for sandwiches tonight? Sure. Great. And you show up, and I hand you a hot dog. You're like, what the F is going on? <laughs> we are going to disagree in this podcast, Josh and I will, but it will not be over this issue. Thank you, Colin. The bread orientation is completely different. That that is it's a big it's a big part of this to me is the bread orientation plus the single piece of bread versus uh, a, a traditional two slice sandwich. You ever have had a hot had a hot dog with just a 
plain slice of white bread as the bun. Yeah, it's called growing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up pretty poor, so yes. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All the time. It was the end piece, too. <laughs> I'm also, oh, yeah, of course. Well, that way, that's more closer to a bun. Yeah. I am, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am not good at preparation, so, like, I will not have anything to eat in my house, but I will have one single hot dog, like, in the freezer. That one, you unwrap, and then there's one piece. I don't have any buns, obviously. Why would I buy buns? So, one piece of bread. A little ketchup. I was going to say, do you put ketchup <laughs> on it? It all comes full circle. What a trap that was. Ah, I try, ah you got me. I'm witty. <laughs> do you put ranch on it, too? star review. <laughs> ranch on a hot dog. I've never tried it, but it does sound pretty good. Um, also, since we're talking all of the food stuff, five guys, step up your fry game. I'm, I'm tired of this. It's an epidemic at this point. Wow. You cannot Ooh. charge $5 for fries and then give me what I consider to be a, a reasonable portion of fries. <laughs> See, I need I need unhealthy this, if I'm paying five dollars well, for fries. You're that doing it wrong. If you're going to Five Guys, what you're getting a burger. Yeah. Instead of fries, you should be getting a grilled cheese as your side. That's what I do. Okay, but that's not fries. Like I, I will do it's both. Still fries. a side. Big dog likes fries. Yeah. Okay. Gotta have the fries. Yeah, By the way, their, the their hot dogs are delicious. I can just never get them when I go there. I don't either. But they're really good. I'm not a big Five Guys guy. It's fine. It's well, good. Don't get me wrong. No, I just I'm don't go you. very it's often. Yeah. It's like, just not like, oh, I, you know what I got to go to tonight? Five Guys. Mm. Oh, see, I, I, I'm a big fan of their burgers, but the fry the fry thing is, it, it, I'm out. It's I can't pay $5 for fries and then not be able to eat any on the way. Like, my wife assumes I have eaten copious amounts of Five Guys fries on the way home because when she sees in the bag, just the cup. Whoa, ah, no. Yeah, no, you gotta, Five Guys. You if s- you don't get to make this your thing and then go back. Did you see the guy, there was somebody on Twitter, some hero on Twitter that said, I used to work at McDonald's and I would put 11 chicken McDuggets into every 10 piece that would somebody would order. And it's like, doing not God's all, work not out all there. heroes wear capes. I yeah. love and, it. Hey, just, I just need you, I don't even, you don't have to give me extra fries. Just knock a couple into the bag. Okay. I don't, I don't want you to be organized. Chick-fil-A, this is an area where you can step up to. You guys like I to agree. be yep. put together. I Look, I need, I need three fries. fries. I, need I agree. Fries. We need bag fries. Look, it, is the, it is the adult equivalent to the, to the toy or the old cookies that you would it's get true. at the end of the Happy Meal. You are. You, you know what? Again, we are going to disagree about some stuff on this show, but that is not going to be one of them. I am pro bag fries in 2020, More and I will be the mayor of freaking Charlotte on that platform alone. So we're all in agreement of more bag fries and a hot dog is not a sandwich. Yes. Yes. Everybody. Boom. Close up the podcast. <laughs> That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, it's the only time that the room Christian will agree. Christian McCaffrey for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> if you want your question on the podcast, like I'm witty. Also, thank you. I'm witty for the question. Leave us a review. Put it there. We'll ask it. We'll fight about it. Probably. This is the only time I think we've all agreed on something. So. Well, it's 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 it's, the, it's child's play. It's, it's an easy. It is holidays. Yeah. The I, holidays. I'm giving thanks for you guys not giving the wrong answer. So I don't have to argue with you. I'm giving thanks that Josh's head hasn't gotten any bigger since he came <laughs> back from. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize that was like a metaphorical. I thought you were just somehow commenting on my seven and three quarters size <laughs> noggin. Your fluid intake. <laughs> I am thankful for all of you. Oh, that's nice. I'm and, thankful for you as well. And cranberries. Nikki, period. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I feel like we could all fight again. Ready? Yep. Yep. We're all family. Let's we do are. it. Family. We, t- we took the photo. We Let's good, fight. fam. Let's go. Cranberry sauce. Gloves are off. So what is your takeaway? 
I thought you were so, starting some sort of rap. <laughs> the cranberry like sauce, gloves are off. Now it's time. Buttons popped. I feel like. <laughs> I, wanna, I want to end the show with that, by the way. So we're going to need to come up with another. We'll do like some sort of freestyle verse, rap. Yeah, verse during the break, maybe. maybe. So what is your takeaway from the loss to New Orleans? Who wants to begin? Well, I, I, I watched the game again um, oh, to, Why today. would you do that? Uh, because I, because I, I like to go back and see, and it really is interesting. You go back and watch without the emotion of the moment. I agree. I, I, I recommend everybody to watch it again. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. What I like to do is like on Monday mornings, I'll put it on like the condensed game. It's like 45 mm-hmm. minutes, go to the treadmill, set it on top. There forces you to, for, for however long that game is to, uh, to exercise for. And it like, <laughs> it gives you a nice, like, it gives you a nice refresher on like, oh yeah, you know what? I forgot that was a big drop, or like, oh yeah, I, oh that penalty was really important, or like you kind of you do get caught up and think about just overall narratives, but when you go back and watch it again, you can kind of parse it out a little bit more. I really thought this was the most complete game, <laughs> except for the the beginning and the very end that this team played all season. Right, I know, but but again, they have not played a complete game. I think so. They fall down early. They climb back on the road with Kyle Allen against the Saints with Peyton with Breeze with Kamara all you know all represented on the field and they they scratched and clawed and with 2 minutes to go they were in a position to go up and it didn't happen this this is this is a, a really tough one for Ron Rivera. I mean, Rashawn Golden's not even a Panther anymore. He had two big, you know, screw ups in, in special teams. Sly misses a bunch of kicks. I mean, if you're a coach that's fighting for your job and then you've got a rookie kicker and a special teams player just out there doing, the, you know, like screwing this up, that's 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 awful for a coach to, 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 to endure. Um, I, I thought this was going back and looking at it again. It, it really is. I think it's the best effort we've seen out of this team. And unfortunately, because they lose – uh, the, the, that's not the story coming out of this game. No, I mean, the, if, if you want to just, just to go back to Rashawn Galden for just a second, you don't get cut for the ball on a punt hitting you in the calf. That's not the reason you get cut. And you probably don't even get cut for starting a fight on kickoff returns or being kind of a knucklehead and shoving a guy for no reason. Those aren't, those two plays are not what got him cut. It's been, Whatever he's been doing in the locker room, on the field, in the practice field, talking to coaches, I mean, it was clear that they there was a disconnect somewhere. I mean, he played, I think it was 17 snaps in week one, and then he's played one the rest of the season. So whatever they saw from him, they didn't like, and whatever they were seeing from him behind the scenes, they really didn't like, and they felt like he was just expendable. And I think this was almost the the last straw. So this idea that, like, well, he cost him this turnover, so that's why he got yeah. – that's not no. why he got cut. No, he, he had not developed. And you know what? Good. Cut bait. Get, get, if you move on. I don't care if he's a third-round pick. That you, if you have gotten to a point where you don't trust the guy, you don't think he's going to be a player for you, you got to move on. You can't be worried about the sunk cost of a third-round pick and people that want to make this about draft selections again. You, you're just missing the point. you got to keep moving. And, the, and it, if people want to introduce you know, friction to this moment when, when this organization is going to release guys that are not going to produce for this team, it, it, you're just – you're. You're working against the organization that, that you support. Uh, this this move with Golden. The other part of it is they need help at safety. They need help at safety. He yep. and I know that we don't know exactly what position Golden ever played or suited up for here for the Carolina Panthers, but they need a safety, and that was the position that we thought he was going to play. 
Eric Reed had as, as, as much of an up-and-down performance as you can have. He was in there on critical stops, and he was also watching guys sail by him into the end zone on numerous plays. So they need help at safety, and he plays that position. I, I, I think they got to go find somebody. they got to find something. They, Boston and, and Eric Reed, you can't, you can't pick up two safeties off the scrap heap and expect them to be – um, to, to be productive over the long haul. Well, I, I think we saw that. I have a couple I have a couple things about safety. Um, first of all, safety first. Second of all, um, I think that when you look at Eric Reed's performance, what they're asking him to do is really interesting to me. He plays in the box so much, and I think he likes that. I, I, he has said in the past in the locker room that he likes playing in the box, and he likes how much he's doing it here more than anywhere else in his career. It's almost like they use him as like a fourth, a third linebacker in there. When it's Shaq and Luke and they have a nickel back, he is standing next to Luke Keekley so often that that's why he has 15 tackles. It's not necessarily because guys are getting to the second level, and yes, they are, and I get that. And yeah, he has been a little bit of a liability in coverage, and that, that happens, but I think that what they're asking him to do has been really interesting. It's the same thing that what they've been asking Matt Paradis to do on the other side of the ball is is. Super interesting. They have him blocking edge rushers all the time, which is weird. When when I say it, it probably sounds weird because he's a center. But that's what they're doing with him, and I don't know that he – and again, he has had some poor play at times too. But secondary and offensive line, when they make a mistake, you know it. And I, I think that, yes, they do need help at safety – and whether that's going to be going forward – because we're, we're talking about going forward – here for the long term because it's they don't there's need, nothing else they don't need help and safety <laughs> next week you know i mean they're, they're well it's not coming yeah they're, exactly yeah there's yeah, no yeah, truck that's yeah, a good yeah. that's what that's what i mean like yeah. they're they're five and six you can you can believe it all you want for them to go 10 and six and make the playoffs but they they're even if they make even if they go 10 and six and make the playoffs there this it's not going to happen so we need to start evaluating these guys going forward for the future rather than think to themselves like, well, they got to get somebody in there right now. Like who on the roster can contribute at safety? It's like the the guys that are on the roster are the guys that are on the roster. But yeah, I, I think that we kind of, we got away from, yes, they did. They, they played a nice game. And, and when you go to new Orleans and you have a chance to win, if this is a seven and two Panthers team, seven and three, whatever the, however the numbers would have worked out, you would have looked at this completely differently. You would have said, "Well, they went down to the, they went down to the Saints. They had a chance to win. They showed a ton of heart coming back, but they just couldn't get the job done." But when you are consistently unable to get the job done in close games, that's when it starts to jump out at you. It, because if you are sometimes you win these close games, sometimes you lose them, or if you are constantly winning them and then sometimes and then occasionally you lose them, then it's like, "Well, you know what the." Things are going to happen. It's the NFL. It's a you know a, it's a week to week league. Any given Sunday, et cetera. All those cliches. But the reality is, is, when you have consistently lost games, especially in goal, and been able to unable to produce in these huge goal line situations, it, it's going to start. The questions start to pile up, and it's just like last year. It wasn't that they got blown out. Cam hurt his shoulder, and they got blown out by fifty every game. Cam hurt his shoulder, and they were still losing games by five, four, three, six points every week. And those one-score games, that that's tough, man. It's real tough. Tough it, pill to swallow. The other thing about this game, I thought this was the best we've seen out of Kyle Allen. Oh, 100%. And, on the road. Right. Like, that, that, the, to me, like, 
we don't know. We've had the conversation about Cam and Cam's future. But so going forward, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. We've said that Kyle Allen gets to be the first chance to be the guy to replace Cam Newton. That, that's it. There's no error apparent. He just is the, the first guy that gets a chance. That guy that I saw against New Orleans, that was, to me, the most optimistic I have been about him going forward as the starter. Like, it doesn't feel like you need to go get somebody this offseason. You could go do – you can go – Try and shore up some other things and roll with Kyle Allen for another year, potentially. I, I, I think you feel comfortable with that. Sure. I think if you do that, that's just a uh, – he's just a care, caregiver. Caretaker. Caretaker. That was not potentially. the way I couldn't get there. Until you get whoever the franchise quarterback is. And the team – so there's been so much talk about this franchise quarterback, right? And whenever you draft a guy – so I was thinking about this um, earlier this week quarterback is the only position and and maybe i'm wrong here so we'll kind of talk this out on air um quarterback is the only position that when you draft a guy he is the quarterback of the future no matter what no matter who he is he is the quarterback of the future you drafted your quarterback of the future there is no well he's gonna be okay like well we're gonna see what we got in this guy well well you know he might be fine unless you take a guy in the sixth round like gardner Minshew. yeah that's fair but I th- or but the when the Patriots drafted yeah. Jared Stidham this year in the fourth round, they thought to themselves, "Well, this guy's Tom Brady's heir apparent." And I would imagine when you drafted Gardner Minshew, someone in Jacksonville said to themselves, "Well, this guy is the this is this when Nick Foles retires, this is Gardner Minshew's job." The uh, we we all we love the idea that the the most popular guy on the roster is the backup quarterback, but I think that that gets extended through the draft process. That when you bring a guy in, like when. Will Greer, when he was drafted, everybody's like, well, they just drafted Cam Newton's heir. Yeah. Like, the heir to the Cam Newton throne is on the roster. He wears number three. He's got a big old beard, and he's a real nice guy. Like, that's that's crazy to me. Like, they're, they're, the idea of expectations for quarterbacks is so out of whack that it, it's just it's insane. So the same thing for Kyle Allen. Like, he doesn't – he can be a caretaker and, and – he can be an okay quarterback, and I think we, we're going to talk about the idea of medio- mediocrity at some point, I'm sure, because long-term mediocrity is like the buzzword in Charlotte right now. But to me, he is he is like a middle-tier quarterback. He's not great. He's certainly not Brady. He's not Mahomes. He's not Lamar Jackson. Not Cam Newton, but he's not uh, – I can't even think. Who's a bad quarterback? He's not, he's not Eli Manning. He's not – you know, like – He's not um uh, he's not Joe Flacco, he's not Duck Hodges, which is a real quarterback by the way. Like yeah, exactly. That's a real person. I was like, "Who?" Yeah, so he has proven that he be- belongs in that middle tier. Now, where on that middle tier can you win the Super Bowl with that middle tier? Sure. Can you also go 4 and 12 with that middle tier? Sure. So it's like I-, I think that's where what he has proven that you are going to get these spectacular games, by the way, indoors a lot. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions for indoors for Kyle Allen. Six touchdowns, nine interceptions outdoors for Kyle Allen. So, and and the turnovers are the biggest thing. The, the Panthers right now have twenty turnovers. You look at the, the the Newton Rivera era. Every season they have nineteen to twenty three turnovers, pretty much, except for twenty sixteen they had twenty nine. That was the outlier. But every other year nineteen to twenty three. And now here we are, five games out, and and they're sitting at twenty. And he's had a problem holding onto the ball. I think I or, or not holding onto the ball. I think that's actually yeah. holding on yeah. the ball is yeah. I think that's I think that's the biggest issue right now that I see for him is if you don't get that if you don't get that 
taken care of. You can't be a guy that's going to hold on to the ball when you get sacked. That that's going to hasten his exit quicker than anything. Sure, I mean that's that's the, I mean it's kind of the same thing with field goal kicker. I mean, or like with anybody, right? Like if you're a running back, you 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 get the you fumble the yep. ball six times in a season. Sorry, bro. Like you got to go to the bench. Six yeah. times is probably not enough, but like yeah. when you're a wide receiver, how many drops is too many? Where you're like you can't you. That's it. If you're if, and you're out. You talked about the the you know the pressure and everything that comes with drafting a quarterback in the in the first round. If Daniel Jones had had that game against the Saints defense, even in a loss. Now who was Daniel? Huh? What Daniel Jones? Daniel Daniel who? The Daniel, Giants quarterback. Oh Daniel Dines. That's who. Oh okay. Sorry, <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> I wasn't really sure where you were going with that. I thought I got the name wrong. I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've got this right. I, it's Danny Dimes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you guys were such good yeah. friends. <laughs> but if he Daniel had, Dimes to me. If he'd have had that performance, that, that's all anybody would have been talking about, even in a loss. So to me, like the idea that we may have found a caretaker going sure. forward is as good a, a, a takeaway from this game as anything. In a game where you had a kicker just, you know – lose it and you know yeah other things happen to it and i'm not making excuses um but uh, to me if you're judging ron rivera's performance as a coach team goes down on the road against the division leader comes back fights all the way back and then the, the field goal kicker misses at the end boy you got to fire him after that one that's woo, that's just uh, that's tough you just brought up kicker that seems like after the game a lot of fingers get pointed and there's always kind of that notion to blame one person where you're blaming the kicker you're blaming this blame or- me for saying it shouldn't be gano i guess <laughs> But why? I mean, is that okay to point that? Can can you point it at one person? No, no, because they had first and goal <laughs> from the two. Yeah, they had if, first and goal from the for, six. Then they had then second the and goal. Then third and goal. Then they also had first and goal. Then second and goal and third and goal again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we sound foolish if you want to talk about McCaffrey for MVP. If you've got an MVP, you've got to get the ball in the end zone from that close. Take take it away from the rookie. He's already missed two on the day. Finish the drill. Do something, and they they have really struggled. And I think we're seeing so much of how much they uh, how they've leaned on Cam in these yeah. situations. We're just hey, six five two fifty, go go get it. Yeah. How many times has that been the call over the last nine years? And now all of a sudden that's not an option. And <laughs> has Alex Arma ever tried to hurdle a line? I just have we ever seen that before? Because goes, goes low, baby. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know what I would look like if I attempted to hurdle a, a line in an NFL game, but I feel like it would be a lot closer to that than you I don't know, know watching if, Walter Payton. I don't know if I have enough money in my wallet to afford. I would love to see you try and hurdle anything really like an, a line wow. for sure wow. but uh i would love to see you try and hurdle this chair um oh, my bill you, gates yeah if you have any, <laughs> if you have any photoshop uh artists out there if you're 12 and 13 years old and you want to photoshop a shot of colin hurdling something i would you love do that to see home it. room tomorrow yep <laughs> <laughs> you could hurdle something i bet I, i'm, I'm probably shocked. that box i'm shocked I'm, I'm yeah oh for sure there's I can hurdle is both that, of those I feel boxes. like that's just jumping over something. First, first of all, you cannot hurdle over both of those boxes. That's crazy. I didn't say I both. I said yeah. box. I mean, yeah, you could hurt. Yeah, you could hurdle over a uh, this I'm, can of jellied cranberry sauce, but that's not really. That's more just stepping over. Not exactly putting your teammate over here. <laughs> just yeah. walking. I think. Uh, you could. Yeah, you could totally hurdle that. Uh, that what's that? A pile of pile of clothes. Yeah, you could hurdle that. 
Hey, who's your sweater crumpled up? Yeah, you could hurdle that too, I think. Look who's off probation. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling good? A little nervous? Yeah, me too. Sorry, we'll figure it out in there. I love that commercial and I laugh hysterically every time. Seen it 50 times. That is the best commercial going, I think, right now. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's probably good. I'm I'm not a I can't even think of a commercial to argue with you. So that's how you know it's got to be good. Right now, um, at the moment. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I I agree with you though. I don't think that you can. Um, I don't think that you can blame this on one person. And I don't think that's. This is again. This is the day and age that we live in. You want to pl- everybody? It's got to be somebody's got to take the blame for this one. And it's like, well, if Greg Olson makes that block on that McCaffrey run, then maybe he, you know, like, well, if uh, like it, it, it doesn't always have to be one. Like that is that is the immediate reaction of like, who do we blame for this thing? Who are we talking about? And it's like, can't we just talk about? E- I mean, like there were aspects of this entire game where they should have they should have won. I mean, Greg Olson was in the locker room talking about how. Um, uh, you know, w- when we came out of the first half, they go down and score, we go three and out. And it's like, yeah, man, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all this momentum, and then all of a sudden, bah, bah, it stinks. And then it's like, well, you know, or you're on offense, and you get the momentum, and then the defense gives up the long drive. So it's like, the uh, this like, is the Saints in the Superdome where weird things happen all the time. They got a fourth quarter turnover. The, the Saints don't turn the ball over. Nope. And they had multiple false starts on the Saints in the fourth quarter of this. They had momentum. They were feeling good. Everything was going the Panthers' way. And then you got you, you know, you, at the at the very end, you just didn't do it, and then the, the defense didn't hold. But that's that's got to be deflating. They, they had fought so hard to come back the, that entire way. And the offense owed the defense – the offense owed the defense a touchdown. They owed them one. I mean, it, when you get down there. They deserved a chance to try and defend Drew Brees and that offense – the full length of the field, not not to to field goal. You know, we know the class of quarterback in the NFL that we assume if they get the ball with two minutes left, that they're going to at least get their team into field goal range. And Drew Brees has absolutely been in that category for a decade. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that they, it's you can the the losses where you could pin where we could go back and forth where it's like I blame the offense, I blame the defense, I blame special teams. Like those are the worst ones because they're. It's everybody, and there are times when you're like, "Well, the 49ers gave up. Uh, you gave up 52 to, 40, to San Francisco, so that's tough." Um, but whose fault is it? Everybody. Everybody. So it's like, but if it's everybody's fault, who's in charge of everybody? Marty Herney. Maybe. Yeah. Tepper. Yeah. Rivera. They all are. I just look at this team, and and I feel that a lot of these short yardage situations, the difference in these games has been time and again the Panthers' inability at at the goal line to execute. And they have the number one guy in the history of the league at doing that at quarterback for the last decade, and now he's gone. And and like that is the difference in the season, even with everything else. Like they're that even if they just had Cam as as a goal line runner. They're right there. No, I mean you're not lying. If they had Cam as a goal line runner, they would be what eight and three? Because it Le- changes. Three, but I mean, they did have Cam as a, in week two, but whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I I also think it's yeah, like and, and, again, and, when you lose your when you lose the best player, the whatever top two mm-hmm. best player on your team, your best player for the last decade, the best player for your best your decade, office. who also plays quarterback. Yeah. It's tough to recover. Like, yeah. I get it. And yeah. that's fine for this season to be 
for this to be a bad season, but also I think that I've been saying it the whole time. Like when you buy a hibachi restaurant, you want the guy you want to hire the guy that's controlling the knives. Okay, that's that's all well and good. We can accept that, just as we accept the fact that billionaires ask for money all the time nowadays too. We can accept that, but that doesn't make it the right decision, and it no, doesn't. And that's what's important here is that this idea that they are going to fire Ron Rivera. And, and we're just moving on from a guy that's won multiple Coach of the Year awards, uh, taking this team to the Super Bowl. I think had this team amongst the NFC elite for the for the last decade. Now you can argue whether Cam Rivera, whatever, but uh, that we're going to move on from this and instantly because well, you know the new guy wants to sh- sharp for or shop for sh- you know sharp new knives, then then it's going to be better. That's not a guarantee, and in fact, I would argue it is far more likely the opposite will be true. That it will be worse. Not worse before it's better. Just worse. Just worse. Yeah. I have I have a saying that I made up, and I did not take it from any of our local radio hosts, and that is it's very easy to go. It's hard to go from a good to a great coach, but it's very easy to go from a good to a bad coach. And I came up with that sentiment, and the more that I say it, it becomes mine and that is absolutely true so it's the same it's kind of the same thing with with anybody if you're going to if if the idea is that you want to move on from ron rivera then that's fine but you better have a damn good replacement in mind it cannot just be well we're gonna we're gonna hire who it's gonna be and i and i get it sometimes there are very good coaches that their their time in a certain place runs out i think that's what happened with john fox Mm -hmm. uh but i think the the idea that John Fox and Ron Rivera are similar coaches and they are coming to a similar, there is a similar timeline. The difference is that John Fox went two and 14 in his final year and Ron Rivera might go eight and eight. Now he might go five and 11. And I think if he goes five and 11, then it's like uh, the decision becomes a lot easier. And some people might say, if you're, uh, if you're a Hornets fan, you probably say that it's probably a better idea to go five and 11 than it is to go eight and eight easier to jump out of that long-term mediocrity if you get a high draft pick. There are those three words again, long-term mediocrity. I, I just, right now, if you were to say, who you can trade Ron Rivera for a head coach in the NFL? Because the other guys, the assistants that we don't know, all of them. I mean, half, I wouldn't, if, if like how many teams, just, just straight up, you said, hey, you can have Rivera for this other guy. Like, other than Rivera for Belichick, what's the trade that everyone's eager to make? Sean McVay still a genius? Maybe, or they, I mean, is that a front office screw up out there? I mean, you, the, the way that they put that roster together, because you know they, they were the smartest thing going for what six months. Um, I, I just don't see the list. Jason Garrett. Oh no! no. Right? no. Like, well, come on, that's that's not a great example. Well, no, but he's going to be a playoff coach, right? So therefore, he's had a better season than Ron Rivera. Because if he ends up five and eleven, then you got to do what you got to do. I think that attitude, by the way, is part of why probably Cam's. Tenure here was what it was in terms of them needing to enable Cam was this idea that, that yeah, the, the head coach will go before you. The head coach would go before you. The one place that, that – the, the, the places that that's not true, I should say, are New England and Pittsburgh, where a player doesn't think that he has more power than the coach, that, oh, if I flex, then, then the coach will be gone. I think, I think Rivera had to do that dance for a long time here. And I think they did coddle Cam in, in several situations. So I think that the Up idea... Up into and including, I think, weeks one and two of this season. V- very possibly. 
very possibly. So, the, the, but the fact that you want to keep this on the table to me worries me because if the idea is to elevate this franchise to something bigger, better, the the, the two teams that I think stand the test of time, uh, we'll include the Steelers. Although I think the Steelers, we've seen plenty of slippage here in recent years with them, but it's continuity at the top. It's Belichick staying there for twenty years. It's it's, it's the. Steelers being an organization that doesn't fire head coaches. To me, that is the level, and that means sticking through with a coach who goes 5-11 and 11 because you know he's working with a backup quarterback, uh, you know, a, a guy that, you know, and Greg Olson, which has been such an instrumental piece of this offense. The two instrumental pieces of this offense over the last decade are both shells or non-existent now for this team. So I, I look at this, to me, if you want to make the case, if David Tepper says he wants to deliver us from long-term mediocrity, then the case is you have to find the right guy. And if it's Ron Rivera, it's somebody else, and you leave that guy. And you don't, you don't mess with him. You let him be the head coach for a long period of time. That's the only way that you make sure that the players fall in line beneath him. Because otherwise, they, the, the stars are always going to think that they might be able to leverage the, other guy, the, the head coach out. And you'll forever be in this loop. You'll forever be in this this system that is the league-wide mediocrity. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Probably talk about more cranberries, I assume. Can we change the name of this podcast to Long-Term Mediocrity? <laughs> hey, guys. This is Kelly Bardick from the Carolina Line. We are here. Kevin Donnelly, Al Wallace, talking about the Panthers' big win over the Titans. That's right. We got to see the Sack Street Boys. I wonder if they got an extra... Membership open. I can join them. I still got a Al's couple ready. sacks left in me. Talk about the dominant day they had again and some of those turnovers. The ultimate hype man back there, the flavor, <laughs> flavor, the NFL. Trey Boston getting in on the Love action, it. celebrating with his team. This defense is putting yeah, up. Yeah, defense, defense, right? But let's talk about Kyle Allen. <laughs> what a bounce back. And Christian McCaffrey, 150 automatic. Just call him ATM. ATM, there's your 150 <laughs> yards a game, three touchdowns. Uh, but we'll even dive into a little bit IR situation. Mm. Um, talks have been come up with Cam. Does he go on? Does he not? It is not the place you want to put a guy because Alan no. I've been there. It is a lonely place on lonely IR. Lonely place. A lonely place. A lot to listen to this week. Yes, you're never lonely when you're here with us on the Carolina Line. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever your podcasts are sold. Just go check us out. So we're going back to the three words of long-term mediocrity. Tell me what is long-term mediocrity. I think it's just the NFL in general. <laughs> uh, the the officiating right now. We're headed towards long-term mediocrity with the officiating. Sure, it's probably my um, fashion choices. I feel like long-term mediocrity. I, I I look at it and say this is a league that's set up around being eight and eight, right? Like that's like that's the idea that every team is supposed to be eight and eight. That's the um, and then good teams. Is this your take up? on analytics, like what Ron Rivera said? <laughs> Let me, if okay. Analytics worked. Are you team going to okay. Let, Here's the problem with analytics: is that whenever whenever people hear guys on the anti-analytics side, they they assume that they're talking about this pristine number that they have discussed. Not the not the, the you know the snake oil salesman that's like, listen, I got this number that's going to make you. These guys have heard all these analytics guys. They're super smart. They plug things into Excel and it pukes out a number. And see, my system works because it look if you look, my system has the 2000 Ravens rated really high because they were a really good defense. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. Does it mean anything? Is it actionable? Can it be used? And well, I don't know, but it, but it's right. So this, the 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 
resentment that you see from analytics guys or from coaches and guys in football and guys in sports that have had to deal with this because every time people come in and they're like, oh, he's smart, he's got analytics, well, what can we do with it? Well, we don't know, but it, it, it's analytics. I really feel like they've just gotten badgered. It's not that they dislike percentages or they like numbers, but it's this idea that just because you put something into a spreadsheet and it pukes out a number that that guy makes that guy right, and it's wrong. I have two problems with analytics, and um, – the main problem is that the way is the way it's used because it's and never... it's exactly the way that Ron Rivera uses it, which he uses it sometimes. And you can't do that with analytics because if the whole point of it is that if you use it on a long enough scale, if you go for it on fourth and three every time from wherever the analytics say you should go for it, then eventually it will improve your chances of winning. But if you only do it once, it might, but it's. 50-50 shot that it's gonna. So it's like the, the the it only bears out when you do it a lot. I feel like I'm gonna make myself sound so like I feel like the analytics guys are gonna be like, no, that's not what it means. But in my mind, you gotta do it more. You can't you either either have to buy in and do it all the time. It's like in if you're gonna be in fantasy football and you're gonna go zero running back, but and so I'm not gonna draft a running back at all, but then in the third round you're like, but look at that. Ooh you know what, I can't take my eyes off Tevin Coleman, then you didn't go zero running back. All you did was just, you hedged. And that is what problem with analytics is sometimes they get used, sometimes they don't. But And that's fine. But this idea that like, well, we just go by the chart. Just go by the chart. Unless I don't feel like I want to go by the chart. Unless the weather is bad. And that's fine. If that's what you want to do, then you can. You're the head coach. It also, you don't get a choice, you don't get a chance to make 100 decisions. Because if the first eight don't go your way you get fired so it, it it's it's just tough i think as a player um as a player measurement tool that's where there is a lot of value in analytics and i think that 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 to me makes a lot more sense where you can kind of identify them in a vacuum but this idea that like well when it's fourth and three you should be going for it i get that that makes a ton of sense to me but you don't if you don't have the personnel to do it if you are whatever then then it goes poorly and then you go away from it and you didn't do it once and if you didn't do it once then you throw all of it out the window so i don't i don't necessarily agree with that did you throw it all out the window i mean part of it is a percentage play so if this play works 60 percent and this play has a success rate it's sometimes you do have to go against the convention you have to make that decision you have to make that choice whether you know do you go play action do you run it on fourth down do you have to make that call and then what we're left with is did they do the did they do the optimal thing and if they did the optimal thing did it did it work oh no it didn't work but they did the right thing okay great so they still lost but they did the right thing wonderful yeah so like it's, it, it, that's the that's the problem is we live in a results based society right. and but it, it's it's the it's the issue with everything that we've kind of been talking about is that if they don't win uh then it doesn't matter. So the the process can be right, but if you don't get it, if you don't, if it doesn't come to fruition, then you ba- then you're ba- then you're judged on the results. And ultimately, in this business, in the NFL, you're judged on the results too quickly, and so you don't get a chance to work out. You don't get a chance to trust the process, if you will. And uh, and you're just like again, if you don't, if you say, you know what, on fourth down, I'm going to go for it every time we're on their side of the field. Whether uh, I don't care whether it's fourth and twelve, fourth and three, whatever, we're going to go for it. Analytics say, or not even analytics, statistics say that it's better for me to go for it on their side of the fifty every single time. 
But if you don't get it eight times in a row and you go zero and eleven, that's good. That that pressure is going to start building, and then well, it's going to get harder numbers, and harder every time for you to do it. But those numbers are real. Those are your numbers now. You don't need to go off of the general idea of fifty years of football. No, you now have your own sample size where you go, hey, uh, well, we've got you know <laughs> five uh, traffic cones. As offensive linemen, it, this is not that's not our that's not our play. That's not what we're that's not what we can do. Um, the other thing is, so coach, you know, makes a decision, and then some guy prints out a little sheet after the game and says, uh, "Mr. Mr. Owner, oh boy, you're so killing you, yourself so with that voice. Mr. Make it, you're you're going to draw all the ire that's of fine. analytics. That's fine. Twitter. You know, you know what? You know what? They're not going to use when they attack me is specifics. Because if you want to talk specific analytics, that's fine. It's just this notion that there's this that I, I like math, therefore I'm smarter. So I have I have evidence here, Mr. Owner, that that that's fine. Bring it on. I'm serious. I, no one has crunched more numbers on this team than I have. I will go to battle on anything people want to do. There are good numbers, but this misuse of analytics is irresponsible. And you say, Coach, if you'd have thrown it to the right, um, we show that you'd have had a 65 percent chance um, of success. What happened every time they tried to go right with Kyle Allen late in the game? That that side of the field was flooded. So should they keep trying to go right? Well, that's what the analytics say. And so if you go left. And all of a sudden you go, uh, the, the, we would have had more success if you'd gone right. Well, it hadn't been working for the last three times we tried it. You know what I mean? Like, but that's the kind of – that's what these guys get attacked with from within their own organizations, particularly if you've got a new owner that wants to prove how smart he is. And it's not just a Tepper thing. It's just in general. I just think these coaches get hit with this stuff in different ways that people don't see, and that's why they, they, they have the reaction that they do. They bristle up to this notion that the guy with the spreadsheet that's never called a play, the guy that will sit there and tell you with a straight face that your offense would be better off throwing on every stinking down because your yards, your expected yards will go up. Well, that's great and wonderful, except for the fact that the other team now knows this too, and they don't give two rats' asses about what the numbers say. They're coming for your quarterback. It doesn't work. It works in theory far more than it works in practicality. Um, those are the views of Colin Hoggard, and you can find him on Twitter at ColinCLT. Um, personally, I think another problem with this is that the term analytics has now been lumped into everything. Yes. So just whatever it is, like well, any sort of All decision. these guys are the smartest people ever. No one has ever thought of math before. No one has ever thought of points per possession in basketball before these guys discovered it in the last 10 years. Dean Smith certainly wasn't running his practice in his games based on that 30 years ago, this genius stat that they've all come up with here of late. I mean, this stuff has existed. That's why I'm saying there are good numbers. There are real measurements. But just because you can put something into a spreadsheet and puke out a number doesn't mean that it has real-life uh, applicability. It just doesn't. I, I'm fine with it. And I think that just like, okay, so just to bring this back to what we're to long-term mediocrity – is that you say that anal analytics we live on a short term for for anal it's one play at a time one game at a time and when you bear all this stuff out on a long term then then that's where the numbers i think kind of can get conflated they can be wrong they can be correct it's 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 hard because you're just looking at it in a vacuum it's 35 seconds you have a you you can make this decision or you can't but that's the same thing with this long-term mediocrity. It, what is long-term? David Tepper says he doesn't want to accept long-term mediocrity. And when you look at the, the, the record of this team, what are they, four games under five hundred for their entire franchise? Right? 195 and 199, I think. I mean, it's something like that. It's right, right around there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sure. So uh, just by definition, that's long-term mediocrity, right? I mean, they're they're essentially eight. That's where this whole discussion started. Was no. they're they're essentially eight and eight every season, even though some seasons they're fifteen and one, some seasons they're one and fifteen over the long term. But is but you can't look at the entire franchise as the long term of being media. You can only look at what well, the so last. Talking about the Cam Newton era is, is that's that's the question. Are we talking what what is right? What is when, this? When do we live through long term mediocrity? I'm. Does anyone feel like we've it's been mediocre here for the last eight years? I don't feel like it's been mediocre here, at all. That is not the term that I would use to describe the Cam Newton era here in Carolina. If someone's like, "Hey, how would you describe that time?" Mediocre. Nope, not even approaching what I'm thinking about. So that's why I'm confused by it. Just of its, its its very nature. Like this to me is pretty much as good as it gets, unless you've got a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback. You got those two things. It can get a little bit better than what we've got going here. But as far as I'm concerned, over the last eight years, pretty doggone good. Could have been a little bit better? Sure. What? Could have been sure. worse? Oh, yeah. Well, so, so okay, so this is this brings up the point that I was making off the air, and then I got mad because I won't be able to replicate it while we're actually recording, is that the only thing that matters are Super Bowls, right? Like, if you don't win a ring, it doesn't freaking matter. So That's, it's Super Bowl champion or, or mediocrity. Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, that's so in my mind, there's there's five good, good, really good teams, really good franchises. There's probably six really bad ones. I'm going right off the top of my head. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. And then there's a huge chunk in the middle. There's 19 teams that probably go into that mediocre category. And how do you jump yourselves out? You can be at the top of the mediocre category, just like what I talked about with quarterbacks. You could be at the top of the mediocre quarter category. You'd be at the bottom of the mediocre category, but still you're kind of vacillating between that and the other one based on the way the ball bounces sometimes, based on your healthy, your left tackle, based on whether your quarterback gets better, based on whether uh, all uh, any number of things, on your kicker missing three field goals. I mean, all of this stuff is just vacillating you between the sixth best team in the league and the 17th best team in the league. But I don't really... there. In the long term, when you spread it out over time, what's the big difference? And the way what you want to do is you want to, in my mind, you want to stay near the top of that mediocre category, and then every now and then you have a special season. And the Panthers, they had a special season. And when you look at these other teams, how do you jump from the top of the mediocre category to the consistently good category? And it's just like what you said. you got to have guys at two positions you got to have guys at head coach and at quarterback but what happened to the philadelphia eagles with doug peterson and nick Foles? Do, are those two guys going to the hall of fame because i don't think so nope. do you think doug peterson's a better coach than ron rivera nope do you no. think do you think nick Foles is a better quarterback than kyle allen maybe probably you would say he's got i'm the track record i'm raising my voice a lot right he's certainly got uh, a bigger um, resume. So I think that and someone would respond to you and say, well, he won a Super Bowl. Exactly. He did win a Super Bowl, which you cannot argue. You cannot take that off the table. And so the idea that, that the Panthers went two possessions, one poor 60 minutes from winning the Super Bowl, because I wonder if they had won the Super Bowl in 15, if we would be looking at the Cam Newton and Ron Rivera com- era completely differently. I, I think 
there are a certain segment of the fan base and of, of fans in general and, and people that watch the NFL that would look at it exactly the same. Well, couldn't do it again, right? But I, I wonder if you would say, well, they're not really consistently mediocre. I mean, they, they, it's not long-term mediocrity. They won the Super Bowl in 15. So how could it be that? That, that? You're right. That phrase that phrase does not get used if they'd won a Super Bowl in the last five years. Hundred percent. So that no, game, so that that game swung the the terminology he used. Yeah. The 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 idea that we think about. So I, you think about who else is good. Let's let's take away. Let's let's do Belker for a second. Let's just take away Belichick and Brady, and let's take away uh, Jameis and Dirk Cutter. Right. The the top and the bottom. That's who I assume is the bottom. Since since Rivera and Cam came to the Panthers in 2011, the the Patriots have won 18 more games than any other NFL team. That's so a that's, lot, right? That's more than a season's worth of games. So that's the level that they are above. So I think you're right. I think for the, this conversation, you're not going to jump. Yes, would Belichick we, may would, be the, go, the the goat. He's up there with Walsh at this point for sure. Like for coaches that have done it. I'm with all due respect to Lombardi and all the the originators. Too old. Right. Sorry. But Belichick is for this generation absolutely good. So let's let's take them away, sure, because he's a huge. Remove advantage. the warlocks. That's, yeah, that's to, to clarify. Yeah. The warlocks are out. Yeah, and and so then so of Charlie course, Sheen not a part of this conversation. <laughs> so the Patriots Patriots fans that are listening intently to this podcast, you know, see there they are discounting us once again. Ah, uh, with ten and one, when now they suck. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Brady didn't even throw a touchdown. That was really yeah, good. Thank you, thank you. The idea that that Patriots fans can literally can go around and be like, "Yeah, oh, I, oh boy, if they oh, they didn't, oh, they only beat the Cowboys by four. I sucked this year. <laughs> Fuck it, Brady. There's the one. There's, I had to there's get one. one. I didn't even say it. The idea that they have the gall to do that is just absolutely infuriating. It's either it vacillates between "ow, oh, it's terrible" and like hey, we got all those rings, right?" Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your team doing? Kemba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was just a personal shot. Yeah. Oh. All right, so they're so, out. Yeah. Take so, them so out. who do you? So who else do you put up at the top? Who do you got as that's, the second? That's them. The second best team of this era. Mm, this is painful, but it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, Seattle Seahawks. They have been they, the difference between the Seahawks and the Panthers is that they have winning seasons every year, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and they like, play. In, they they played in a worse division, right? But <laughs> Which and yeah, and they have gone to they have gone to the playoffs six times during the Rivera Cam era, and Cam and Rivera went to the playoffs four times. And here's the big difference: they won that Super Bowl. But they won but, a Super Bowl, right? But you look at this. You look at this division that the Panthers play in. There is not. There is no division that would rather have this division's quarterbacks playing playing them every week. And that has to be said. It's the most important position, and this division has had the best quarterbacks, with the exception of Jameis. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, we've seen Matt. We've seen Matt Ryan enough times to know he can he can be terrible. He can be great on on, on any given day. But that's an MVP. There's three MVP quarterbacks. Oh, Breeze doesn't have an MVP as a, a Super Bowl MVP, but three MVP level quarterbacks in this division. And you think that doesn't matter in terms of wins and losses and close games and who comes out over the course of a decade? So I, I, I think that yes, the answer is Seattle. I do think it would be closer if they were in a tougher division over the, you know. But they they had Seattle or they had San Francisco for a while in Seattle or San St. Louis was was bubbled up for a, a nice for, year. Yeah. For a good one. year, yeah, they were that was good. A good year, 
Yeah, I was trying to for in yeah. my mind I was like, well, what about Warner? But that yeah. was <laughs> that was a while ago, right? I'm old. Marshall Falk. Yeah, <laughs> he's good, right? I know we took the warlocks out, but can't you make the same argument with them about their division? No, you can't. They keep they have what a thousand Super Bowl run. Like it's the difference to me is when you talk about winning the Super Bowl once, and I get it. The the Seahawks were in two consecutive Super Bowls, but winning one Super Bowl and winning six Super Bowls is completely different. Like I mean, yeah. they're they're consistently excellent, and they have been for twenty years. And I, you just have to remove them from the conversation. Because if you're going to compare yourself, so this is the other problem. If you're going to compare yourself to the Patriots, you're going to fee- be sad every time. 100 times out of 100, you are going. your team is worse than the Patriots over the past 20 years. Right. There is no measure where your team has been better than, this, than the New England Patriots. Head except head? if you're Cam Newton hand-to-head. Head head? I was just, I was, <laughs> you couldn't let me get to it. I was going to build up. I was going to talk about like 45 seconds of how good they are. And then I was going to say something along the lines of, unless you, your quarterback has never lost to them. But the, the thing is, is that you, you, 31 teams lose the Super Bowl every year. And the idea that it's Super Bowl or bust, it makes it hard when there's one team winning it all the time, yeah. A. And it also makes it even harder when the only when your expectation is is winning it, and it does, and that is what comes with not that doesn't come with long term mediocrity is consistently expected to be a Super Bowl contender because let me tell you who was not a Super Bowl contender the Detroit Lions were not a Super Bowl contender this year uh, there were probably a dozen teams that thought to themselves entering Week One man we could do it this year. Like like in a real like in a real capacity, and the Carolina Panthers were one of those teams. But uh, how to consistently be there every year? How to vault yourself into that top five best teams? I don't know. I don't. I don't know that the answer is well. You fire Rivera and you bring in somebody else because I, I think it's easier to to go down than it is to go up. Right. Just just like I've said multiple times uh, that saying that I invented. Just Don't a, listen, Nick Wilson. Just a little a little thought exercise here. Oh, again, we're talking about the Rivera era here. The Panthers rank where in the NFC in terms of wins? The NFC. In the NFC. So there's 16 teams in the NFC. During the Ron Rivera era, where do the Panthers rank in terms of wins? Eight. Nikki, would you like a hazard? I was going to say it has to be top ten, right? Oh, it's top ten. In is fact, it top five. It is top five. So ha- four. No, it, no, they're, they're number five. It is. Number five. <laughs> Seattle, <laughs> Green Bay, New Orleans, it felt like Dallas, a Price is Right game. Yeah, and Carolina. That's your. That's your top five. I said eight because that would so, be right in the middle. That would be Seattle. Green, so, so the teams that are above them: Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Quarterbacks, yep. right? And then Dallas is in there somehow. I'm not quite how sure. How is Dallas in there? Because they, Jason Garrett is a good coach. Because he's just good to keep them above long-term mediocrity. Like when which you is said it the fear. first time, I thought I heard you wrong. And I was like, there's no way you said Dallas. And then you said it again. I was like, mm-hmm. no, he did say Dallas. Because it just doesn't make sense in my head for them to be there. Who are right. some teams that are below well, them? I'll t- uh, the rest of the NFC. Here, here's look, this is an interesting Tampa. narrative test. This is an interesting narrative test. Detroit. What is the difference between the Jets winning percentage or wins win total during this time, 2011 to 2019, versus the Giants? Because you talked about it, Super Bowls, wins like that, you know, matter. 
and Eli Manning, who we were seeing the end of the run for him, and they're talking about him as a Hall of Famer. So from 2011 to 2019, how many more wins did the Giants – I'll just go ahead and give it to you. The Giants have more wins than the Jets. How many more wins did the Giants have than the Jets? Eight. I said eight before. Same number. Four. Bum, 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 bum. I mean, but think about the way we're talking. They're arguing should Eli be in the Hall of Fame, and sure. the Jets are the Jets, right? And you look at the last decade, four wins difference. Man, you do not want to be the. That's the thing. Is this is how? So, mm, so I think we have. So, this was a thing that I think we talked about during the break was okay. the difference between long term media between mediocrity and just bad. And I don't think there's that big of a difference. Just like there's not that big of a difference between mediocrity and good. It, it's it's a sliding scale. The the NFL is hard, and you're going to be bad sometimes. You're going to be good sometimes, and it doesn't always have to get better. Just moving on to somebody right. new doesn't make it better. Now I'm I'm not necessarily coming around to what Colin Colin's side of this, but. You're not wrong when you say it does not have to get better. They do not have to fire Ron Rivera and bring in a better head coach. That is not the path. That is not 100% guaranteed to be the path. It's not guaranteed that they are going to bring in someone else that is going to immediately lead them to success. It's just... And sometimes they could bring in somebody. You say that They say like franchise quarterback, okay? So even when you get the number one pick in the draft... You might take Jake Locker, you might take Blaine Gabbard, or you might take Cam Newton. According to Sports Illustrated, that was the toughest choice in the NFL. The Panthers chose correctly, but they could have chosen poorly, <laughs> and they would have been... He chose poorly. It's <laughs> a good reference. 12- and 13-year-olds are going to love it. Um, <laughs> and they could have chose one of those and and been the guy that melts after they drink the Holy Grail, and then you are the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Or you're the Bucks, even. Or, you know, sometimes the, the choice is between Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. And there is no right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's not always Trubisky or Mahomes. Sometimes there are multiple bad choices in there. And it's not always that you can just pick correctly. Like, sometimes you pick incorrectly. And then you have to live with those consequences. So I understand the idea that you want to make the most informed decision and you want to just because what I think is going to happen doesn't make it the right decision. I, I don't think we would hear Dave Tepper say this if he owned the team for 10 years. I think this is the comment of a new owner that thinks that it's going to be easy. That thinks that, because he does come from the Steelers, thinks that he can just make that happen. There's a lot of times when they want to build Cowher fired. There's been times when they want Mike Tomlin fired. It's not like it's been great for the Steelers every year. Their right. fans haven't been happy every year because they've had. So I, I I appreciate aspiring to this level. I just think that it's that, that you're trying to thread the needle here. This idea that you know, other than having transcendent coach, transcendent quarterback, that there is a way there's a roadmap to being better through spreadsheets, through analytics, through organization. I, I, I just don't think that's the reality of the NFL. The Steelers went 8 and 8 in 2012 and 2013. He came back. John Harbaugh was on the hot seat in week 10 last, last season. Year. And now everybody is, I mean, he's up for coach of the year for sure, right? I mean, yeah. you can't just give it to Belichick every year. So, uh, I, Lamar Jackson's probably going to be the MVP. Right. And they almost, I mean, I, I wonder if 
Rivera has had his, uh, you know, save my show moment. You know, the, those shows yeah. where it's like, well, I love the show Wings, so we sent in a bunch of feathers to NBC, and then they brought it back. It's not a great example, but that's something. It's, yeah. I wonder if he has already had the, when he transformed into Riverboat Ron, if that's already happened to him once. And I wonder if we didn't, I wonder if Joey Sly, by missing all those kicks on Sunday, may have cost him the opportunity to come back this way, you know? Like I that that to me is like it's tough to lose twenty nine to three, but when it starts piling some of this stuff just gets away from you and once you're a few weeks removed, all you remember is that yeah, we lost four out of six out of the last eight. Not that Joey Sly missed three field goals, not that Cornelder got beat by David Moore and and Seattle. You you just you don't remember any of that stuff. All you remember is they lost seven seven of the last eight games and they finished seven and nine. That's it. Not that they were that they and, were close to six of them. And that level of analysis, that, how can we be doing this level of analysis and yet also doing the analytics talk? Like, we know this is flawed, do, just doing what, you know, measuring based on wins and losses. And again, I'll say, I, the only way that they get to this, this level that I'm not so sure isn't just mythical, where they can be above what they are um, right now you're going to have to have someone in place that's going to be there for for long term. So I don't see the need to rush off from Rivera unless you've got that dude, because Rivera is pretty good at NFL head coach. I there's I'm we've had plenty of conversations on this show about you know where we didn't like things he's done, including in this game. They didn't look great right before halftime. They got oh completely got bailed out. Uh, right? Yes. No, thank right. you. No, it's 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 maddening. I'm with you. It happens all the time too. It, it it does, and it's something that needs to get fixed. But I don't know who's gonna, I don't know that you're going to come in and bring somebody in that's better. Like if you're going to tell me that the next guy we're coming in, we're going to bring him in, and he's going to be here for for ten years, guaranteed, no matter what. We're we're, we're installing this culture that we think is important because that's the way you you make this you make this next step. Anybody, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't guarantee that they're going to have more wins at the end of that. If you could have any coach, college or NFL coach the Carolina Panthers next year, who would it be? Don't say. Scott Frost is that the Nebraska coach? What's Mac Brown doing? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say don't he's say Mac ne- Brown. Yeah, he's not necessarily back, but he's just gonna take over the entire state. I, I I honestly don't know because one of the things that is so important is the way that this team continues to play for Ron Rivera that week in and week out. And I know they've gotten blown out, but I, like the way that they played this this week and the way that I think you see consistently this team. Compete. There's not many guys that get more consistent effort, and I don't know what is more important out of a coach than consistent effort. I mean, there's there's other things that that sound great, but how many of these offensive geniuses that can't even communicate with their own quarterback? You know, are are we going to go through before we realize? You know what? Having a dude that shows up and gets the guys to play every Sunday is pretty doggone good. Well, they break that huddle early so he can talk to Jared Goff in his headphones. Sorry, that so was smart. just that was like so the, smart. That was the story of the last ten every every Wednesday. It's like, well, you know, it breaks the huddle early, so that uh, yeah. By the so way, can, can, can McVay can talk him through what the defense is doing? Can McVay be that smart if he hitched his wagon to Jared Goff? It's a great point. It's a really good point. Wow, I'm so glad you just said that out loud. <laughs> it's I, I, and also I think let's go say again it. long term, right? 
he was a freaking genius last year. He's mm-hmm. not so good this year. There's a chance he's going to be really good next year. So we don't have to all write him off and say, ah, McVay stinks now. Right. There, there's got to right. be a longer term of like, yeah, he had a really good season last year. He snuck up on everybody. And let's maybe he's going to adjust in the offseason. He's still, what is he, 33 years We've old? We've already like he's seen the him young... make adjustments. Think about that first season, how bad he was with clock management and whatnot. He realized that was a weakness. He brought someone in to help that part of it. So he is someone that makes adjustments. Willie, I don't know. Like you said, it could go either way. And then Belichick gave everybody a game plan. Everyone said, all the defense coordinators said, thanks, coach. <laughs> and they've been running with it ever since. Yeah, it's true. Like, I... That you, Quick Patriots aside, since we've you know just appreciated Belichick oh my God. so much, it's, my uh, friend Jeff Doyle is going to love no, this freaking yeah. episode. So I really think that that um, he sandbagged against Lamar Jackson. I don't think there was a chance in heck that Belichick pulled all the tricks out for regular season. He knows who he's going to see in the playoffs, he's, and that's that's the level of that's the level of preparation that that. Is, is the next level. Yeah, it's the fact that he brings in, you know, he brings in uh, four wides on the goal line when they're up by th- 25 points. It's to throw off the it's it's like, well, look look at the look at the numbers here. It's well, they they don't usually do it, but every now and then they'll bring in four wides at the goal line. So we got to make sure we prepare for that. They're never going to do that. Right. You know and, what and who are they fooling with that by the way? Who are they fooling? Who are they fooling? The know, analytics I, guys. I know. I was. I was, I was hoping you were going to do some <laughs> yeah, sort of voice. Because uh, nope, just going to put it right in the spreadsheet. That was Belichick's best effort right there. He was absolutely trying to score a touchdown when he went to four wides, and everyone should be prepared for that look going forward. And coach, if you're not, I'm going to print this little sheet out. And I'm going to present it to the owner, and it's going to tell him that you didn't do everything by the percentages. Sorry, I'm I'm done with these guys. Do Come you have with a, actual numbers? Do you have a dude that you know that that talks like that? Or is that no, I think of, that's just like a generic, yeah, like the old Simpsons. Professor Frank? Yeah, from yeah. the Simpsons. Before we get to the game, um, I did want to bring up, you know, Cam made... Have we not been talking about the game this whole time? <laughs> our oh, game. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Our game. Before we get to our game, uh, Cam made the comment that Charlotte is home this week, and it was talked about how... The, the cam jam, is that what it's called? Cam jam? <laughs> not that, no. That's definitely not what it's called. It's called the Cam Newton's Thanksgiving jam. Cam jam. The cam jam. The cam, Duh, jam. cam jam. You know. Um, said that the event's going to be there for many years. Those comments, does that in any way change thoughts, opinions on his future in Carolina? Well, he will always be welcome here in Carolina. No place is going to appreciate Cam Newton the way Carolina will, I think, going forward. This will be home for retired Cam Newton, just as this is home for retired Steve Smith. Um, But I do think there's another chapter, and I think that I I don't think this influences anything going forward. Steve doesn't live here, though, right? Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he does. Okay. I I knew he was at we were at the event, and he said, "This is Charlotte's home for me." I never heard him say that. That was the first time he's publicly, I think, said that that Charlotte is home. Well, there you go. Um, I don't think that it changed my opinion. I think we've been pretty um, uh, we've been pretty open and honest about where we are. Uh, I think that. What we've been saying this whole time is that Cam Newton wants an extension. And when he goes in front of a crowd and says, Charlotte is home, Charlotte, I want to have this in this. I want to have this in Charlotte for the next few, for, for the next foreseeable amount of years. Then he can say, I want to be here. Look, Cam Newton wants to be here. Yeah. Never mind what's happening behind closed doors. It doesn't like, and even if it's it's not, I don't think anything is not happening behind closed doors. I think he can certainly go to David Tepper and say, I want to be here. But I need you to sign me. Like, sign, sign, give me a contract extension. I'm telling you I want to be here. 
It's just like I, I learned pretty quickly when I first started covering the beat. I would go in the locker room near the end of the season and talk to free agents and be like, hey, man, like, do you want to be back next year? And everybody's yes. like, yes, I do. I because, want to be paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Nikki, do you want to – you want to in the new year. You want to. You still want to get that paycheck, right? Like, I mean, obviously. Yes. And it's like so. This idea that like Charlotte is home. I get what he's saying. Like that makes total sense to me. And I. And just to be clear, uh, I don't want to throw shade or discount anything that Cam Newton has done for the Charlotte community and the Atlanta community and everything else that he has done. Not only in the public eye, but in the private. I mean, how many hundreds and hundreds of stories have you heard of cam newton walking the streets handing homeless people food i it i mean i'm sure you've heard them just as much as i have seven i think it's okay well 700 um but it's what this guy goes out and does and if this it would have been very easy for him to say yeah we got the thanksgiving jam we're gonna donate to all these kids but like i'm on injured reserve like this is gonna be awkward i gotta talk to the media would have been very easy for him to be like guys like we're gonna feed all the kids but like i'm 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 not going to do it. But in reality, for him to be there is better than the meal. I mean, obviously, that meal means a lot to these to these kids and to their families and the fact that they get to bring home a second meal for them to cook um, means means even more. But for you to think that Cam Newton being there is not the most important part to that eight-year-old kid who wants to take a selfie and wants to say, well, I'm a Cowboys fan, you know, like that. <laughs> hey, that, that was the Redskins quarterback. Thank you very much. <laughs> It's it's like that that is incredibly important. And so he he very easily could have not done that. And I think it meant a lot to him to be there because, you know, he, he obviously when you're somebody like Cam Newton, you're separated from society. You don't get to go to the movies. You don't get to ride your scooter without it being national news. So I think that for him to be able to get out there and interact with these kids cuz he absolutely Cam loves the kids. I think we can all agree on that. But what he has been able to do for this community has been unbelievable. And I just don't want to discount that when I say that some of the content comments that he made that some people may misconstrue as like, well, he's definitely coming back because he said that. Right. That doesn't necessarily – those two things don't necessarily have to be the same. I'm here for the Cambassador era for the Carolina Panthers. I think he should be – like, really, like he – it would be it would be tremendous for the next ten years. I mean, I I don't know if Luke has any interest in doing something like that, but right. Cam certainly seems like he enjoys it, and he's a fun guy to have around. Great, you didn't like him as a quarterback. You're one of those guys, whatever. Well, guess what? He's not now. He's just giving out footballs. So now there's no reason to dislike <laughs> him. Okay, didn't even have to like, score a touchdown. Yeah, he's just giving away footballs. I I, I really think that he, um, I, I think he had if if he wants it, I would be thrilled if I was David Tepper to be like, listen. Next couple of years, whatever, you're going to wrap up your playing career. But make no mistake, your home is here, and we want you to be a part of this organization and part of what we do for this community and kids. And if he wants to do that, then, I, then great, because he's right. This is home, and I hope he will continue to make a difference once his playing days are done. Yeah, uh, I think that he – I know you were just about to say game time. I could yeah. see it in your face. Yeah. Um, I – uh, I agree with you. Um, I think that you know he is obviously – he is the most famous face to ever – play for the Carolina Panthers, maybe to ever play any sport in Charlotte. I mean, almost certainly, right? So, I mean, it's him it's and – him or Grandmama, right? Sure. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of who I'd have the most. Kenny Gaddison. Um, I don't think so. I think, Larry, I think Larry is famous in Charlotte, but I don't think if you ask somebody in St. Louis, Missouri – Grandmama was a thing. 
for sure. Was it? Oh yeah. I mean, I know that it was for me. I had the poster. And I, and the Hornets were really good on NBA Jam. That's a great point. That which, makes so a big difference. Were, it okay. did. It did. Yeah. A lot of people were playing with the Hornets back in those days. That's a great point. I still say Cam. I was a big Kendall Gill guy. But trying to stretch the floor. You were ahead of the time. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. using analytics on NBA Jam. Pace and space, baby. Pace and space. All right, game time now. You guys were working on this. I see your your sheets of paper. They had homework. Complete rebuild. Oh, oh my God. You ready? Oh, boy. I'd rather pick my favorite Thanksgiving sides. Complete rebuild. So you get to keep seven guys from this roster. Colin Jones and what six others? (laughs) 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 Got to stick together. Got to have the captain. Got to have the captain. And we're not like, it's not like a snake draft, right? I assume we could probably have... We you, probably have a couple guys that overlap. I was I'm going to assume these might look like similar lists. I, I would. I think they're going to look real similar at the top and kind of different at the bottom. Because I'll tell you what, just like when we did this, what we did the the draft, the, draft. Last, the roster draft last year, and it got like terrifying immediately. Like by the third round, it was like, well, I guess I'll take Dontari Poe. Right. Not that Dontari is a great player, and and he's going to be missed for the rest of the season. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it it just it gets scary, and I think yeah. that's that's the again, just like we focus on the Panthers, that is something that I think comes with the entire NFL. I wonder if even the Patriots probably you get to the second round of the Patriots draft by the seventh player, you're like, uh, I don't know. Well, Edelman can throw passes, I guess. So <laughs> like, is that who we keep? Like, is that your seventh best player? It's tough. Right. So. Um, for my first selection, I'll be taking Christian McCaffrey for uh, I'll I'll be starting my rebuild around. He's okay. Um, the guy <laughs> that has uh, that is on pace to have better numbers than any running back that has won the MVP in the past twenty years. Yeah, he made my list as well. Good oh, job. good. Yeah, one any, agreement. Any comment you have? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> he no. good. He's he's. I'm <laughs> he's keeping good. him. I'm going to keep that second tier talent around. All right. What else we got? After you, I went Colin. first. Um, all right, I, I'm keeping Luke Keekley. I'm not watching Luke Keekley play in another uniform. I, the, the, a rebuild, um, as, as I'm doing it, I think I think he still has time to be in meaningful games with us, and that would be the only time that I would look at moving on from Luke is if it was like, hey, I'm playing one more year. We don't think this is our year. Let him go. I don't know. We're going to go to Cincinnati. No, that's not going to work if he's trying to make the playoffs. Um, you know, no, <laughs> he no. Likes I'm chili. keeping Luke. He loves that skyline chili, though. I'm, sorry. I'm also keeping. Uh, well, no, I was gonna, I was gonna try and I no, I was gonna try and like, I was gonna try and build up about how I wasn't gonna keep him and then keep him. But yeah, I mean, he's twenty eight years old. Uh, he's been the best middle linebacker in the league for the past um, career. Yeah. So um, I, I think you absolutely, yeah, that that. So you're starting your offense with twenty two, defense with fifty nine. Um, and, so far, and, a very handsome team, I might add. Agreed. And and ironically, we're talking or we're starting with the two guys that were probably the most booed draft picks that the Panthers have made. That's oh. a good point. Well, I think anytime yeah. you pick in the top ten, yeah, you're That's, going. People yeah. are going to be unhappy. That's true. Unless yeah. you pick a quarterback, and I think even then, people were unhappy. But yeah. you I can't agree. you can't please all the people all the time. And most of them are on Twitter. So that's, that's um, another that's saying true. that you came up with. I I'm think. gonna yeah. <laughs> wrote that saying um i well i think this might we may we may differ here but i'm not sure i'm gonna keep uh james bradbury on the roster um i think that he is at one of five key positions in the nfl quarterback running back left tackle corner 
and middle linebacker. And so I'm going to start that. I'm going to have – and you notice running back was not one of those, but I will have McCaffrey and Bradbury's going to make my roster. Bradbury seems like the kind of guy that is under the radar, not unlike, say, uh, Gilmore, you know, that was playing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, the, the Patriots assigned him, and now he's part of one of the best defensive secondaries going. Like, like Bradbury is is that good. He doesn't bring the hype on himself that some cornerbacks, you know, do. Um, but I, I was, I've been slow. I don't. I, I've been slow to upgrade Bradbury to that to that top tier um, uh, of cornerback. Um, didn't didn't have a great game necessarily Sunday, no. but I, he's he's one of the dudes. He's one absolutely one of the dudes that I'm building around. Going and nobody has had a good game against Michael Thomas. No, like you're playing against the best receiver in the NFL. Like the guy's good. And I get it. Like, yeah, he slipped, and uh, it's, it sucks. But like, yeah, there there is no. I, I'm I'm. I, I think that he is among. We are getting to the point now where the idea that uh, James Bradbury is not one of the best cover corners in the league is a false statement. And and of you know, I, we talked about the the division and the quarterbacks of all the positions that has to go up against these guys. Bradbury's out there and does a, a good job against Evans. Does a good job against Julio. Yeah, you know, not I a mean, good job, a great job. Fair. So like, like Julio oh. had forty yards receiving last week when they put up twenty. When Ryan passed for a hundred or for three over three hundred yards, Julio had ninety three yards and forty eight of them came against Luke Keekley. So. Right, I, like I, I don't right. know how much what else you can ask from this guy. Well, the, he can only guard two of the three, you know, consistently yeah. well. You know, <laughs> like you know, so that's why that's why he's absolutely on the list, and and probably w- there's the discussion we had um, before about who would who would you pay on the defense, Bradbury or Shaq. Um, I'm paying both right now. Yeah, that's that. That would be my next guy on the list. Yeah. I'm keeping Shaq. Yeah, I think they're so. I mean, they're oh, you're keeping Shaq. I'm okay, keeping so Shaq. Shaq is on your list. Yeah. Um, I actually don't have Shaq Thompson on my list. Uh, I already have a line. I'm already keeping a linebacker. Um, and I, I think Shaq Thompson is absolutely fantastic, but I don't, I'm not a huge fan of building my team around the weak side linebacker. I get it. I, I understand the idea behind it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to keep Greg little on the roster. I think that he is a, uh, they drafted him for a reason to be that left tackle. And what you have seen from him when healthy uh, which I think he's really only been healthy for two weeks, and yeah. I get it. You know, best availability is abil- or best ability is availability, and and you can't teach health, and and that makes a difference. Can't make the team from the lo- or from the training room. Yep, can't make the club in a tub. Uh, I think that you can, but he has shown to me when healthy that this guy can be a left tackle, and again, left tackle to me is maybe the third most important spot on the team probably not but it's certainly in the top five i like to keep my strength strong that's why i went with the with another you linebacker took jermaine carter <laughs> so i'm actually going with dante okay. I, I i would rather have if it gets kind of you know cheap i guess when you're picking the rookies but no um, it's, I, but, I mean my my team's very young as well but yeah. i but i have i have dante and because how many guys whew, ted ginn still still at his age got that speed and not many dudes. We've watched Ted Ginn play in this in, in here in Carolina. We've watched him play in this division for a long time. Yeah. How many dudes go step for step with him? And Dante made that play on Sunday. You go. That is why you draft a cornerback in the first round. That kind of play. That kind of speed. You have speed on yours. Um, I have some speed, but it's on the offensive side of the ball, and it is the 
wide receiver with the fifth most receiving yards in the league right now. Also the fifth most receiving yards in his division, in case you're curious. And that's DJ Moore. I think you're you're seeing what... That, wait, 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 say that again? Say it one more time. So he has the fifth most receiving yards in the league, mm-hmm. and he also has the fifth most receiving yards in the NFC South. Uh, again, just go ahead and tack that right underneath the Ron Rivera bulletin board of defenses. This That's, what we're t- that's exactly what we're talking about, yeah. though. I mean, look at the level of competition in this division. It gets overlooked because we're the NFC South. If it was the NFC East that was this loaded... With, with quarterbacks and offensive weapons, you think we wouldn't be hearing about it incessantly on ESPN? Oh, God, yeah. But we're the South. So, no, it's, it's, just, it's just three MVPs in a division. That's they, all it's been. They beat each other up. I mean, that's right. the thing is they do. They, they beat do. each other up. Yeah. It is not a coincidence that the, the, the Patriots are good. They're they good. We've, had their, we've said that enough. But the fact that they play in a division where every year they can go, hey, we're going to give you a couple extra weeks to get healthy. To get, to get you ready for the playoff run because we're not running out there against Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and, and another 1-1 in Jameis Winston. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say once you because you had a little pause. You were like, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and yeah. famous Jameis. Right, but, but the worst quarterback in this division is a 1-1. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know. I, the, I've said enough about Rivera. Anyways, we're back to this one. Finish uh, those rosters. Who we got left? Anyway, so yeah, you you didn't. Did you even say your guy? You said you said where he stands in the division. Oh, I'm sorry. It's DJ yeah. Moore. Was that not clear? <laughs> Den- Deniston J Moore. I think what you've seen from him over the past month, not even the past month. Obviously, the past month he's been spectacular. Right. But I think just kind of the growth that you've seen in two years, because guys make jumps after this year. This is the second year that he's going to make. And if you're looking for more awesome stats, unbelievable stats on DJ Moore, I would encourage you. Uh, Court Smith wrote an article about him that compares him at his age to what he has done through his first 26 games and it's unbelievable he is better than Josh Gordon better than Keenan Allen better than Mike Evans better than like all these guys that you think of as the cream of the crop he has done better than them in his first 26 games so at some point you got to just say well uh, like that guy's good he's on my roster I, I like. I really liked what we saw out of them this Sunday with not just McCaffrey getting the balls we know he's going to, but it felt like Moore and Samuel were more regularly kind of involved. And, and I really think having a young core of weapons like that, I think that was good. And I really like you know, everything you, you said about Moore. And I, I'm encouraged. Part of what I was encouraged about the next guy that I'm going to keep, I'm keeping Kyle Allen. I'm keeping him. There's no reason for me not to keep him at this point in time. I'm keeping him. And if we can see more of him and North Turner, whoever the offensive coordinator is, I think keeping more and Samuel, and then hopefully next year you add a, a tight end, whether it's Ian Thomas or whether it's somebody else. Um, Vanderzad, waiting it's, for it's, that. It, yeah, well, I got the bug spray, but it's time. <laughs> it's time. Uh, they, they, they a playmaker in the middle of the field because they you did have to see them need to use McCaffrey. I felt like in that spot um, as well, and it was great to see him like that. To, to see him and he was it was effective in that spot. Um, and I don't mind using it in short bursts, but um, they need they need another big target of the middle. And I think that I think that at that point you feel really good about the weapons, um, and and we'll go from there. I'll take Brian Burns. Oh yeah. Um, I think what you saw from him. I think the the tackles in the league caught up to him a little bit. Um, but I think he's going to get stronger. And again, for me, with these young guys, it's all about they. It's all about jumps. So you don't know whether what what he's going to do in this off season. Whether he's going to be, well, I'm good. Like eating Twizzlers, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
and and watching Spider-Man and not working out. But if that if that guy gets in the gym and puts on 15 pounds, I mean, you saw him do it before the combine. And I get that's he's doing it's a job interview. Right. And now he has the job. He has the money. But yeah, I, I think to me, the way that this guy works and the versatility and the combination of speed and power that he has and, and length and bend and everything that he brings to the table, I, I, I just want to see what he can do. And I I think that he he is a guy that you that is going to be positively terrifying in two years to try and game plan against. I hope you're that's, right. That's that's it, right? I six. Right. Yeah. I'm at six. Yeah. I think I've said I think I've said everybody. I think you've right? got all yours. Yeah, I think Colin I has all his. Did you get all seven? Yeah. Who CMC, are you? CMC, Kyle Allen, Luke, Shaq, uh, Bradbury, DJ Moore, and Dante. But I oh, probably, you did say DJ Moore. I didn't. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. hear you say DJ Moore. Yeah. So here's the real problem, right? As I debated for Kyle Allen, I also uh, debated for Dante Jackson. But as I have said before, um, I am I want to build around the offensive line, and I am going to take uh, Taylor Moten on my team. And I also yeah. debated putting Dennis Daly in this spot, to be perfectly honest. Right. I, I think that left tackle is incredibly important, and I don't think Taylor Moten can play left tackle, but he can certainly play right tackle. And having a guy that can lock down a part of your line for the next ten years, hell, that's important. And I'll tell, and I and I like the idea that you don't need to worry about it. And uh, I think he has been a little shaky the past few games, but that I'm not. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's flip flop between left and right all the time. Which, again, uh, like it, it's in a vacuum, that's a bad decision. But uh, like. When you look back at it, you kind of forget. You just think, well, Taylor Moten was just okay. But, I mean, he's played left tackle and right tackle, flopped over five times this year. That's a lot. That's weird. It's hard. For a team that has struggled on the goal line, particularly running the ball, keeping two offensive linemen seems curious per the analytics. Per the analytics. Can I ask you, speaking of analytics – where do you think that the Carolina Panthers rank in terms of goal-to-go percentage? That means how often they score touchdowns when they are goal-to-go. This season alone. This season. To 2019, the year of our Lord. 24th. Nikki, do you have a guess? 30th. They rank 5th in the NFL. They score on 78.95% of their goal-to-go possessions now you probably remember the ones they don't right that's all i could think of i'm like there's no way that's right yeah but it's also when it matters the most like (laughs) i mean i'm sorry like right at the fourth fourth quarter at the end of the game when you're going to try and win the game and you don't get in like isn't that what the whole point right like great works 78 percent of the time but does it work in the fourth quarter when you really need it where can we find everybody josh klein rules colin clt look at me oh boy yeah, are you ready over there? <laughs> I'm ready. We're wrapping this thing up. It's the way we do the holidays here. What are you going to eat for Thanksgiving? What's your favorite? What's your go-to plate? Gravy. That's it? Just gravy? Gravy. Just gravy, <laughs> just... gravy on everything. Oh, not out of like a funnel. <laughs> Maybe. I'm the one that's uh, making the food this year, so you'll see me in the kitchen just eating a spoonful of gravy. You're making Thanksgiving? I'm doing Thanksgiving. Turkey, I cook a lot. Turkey included? Turkey and ham. Um, Preparation? Preparation style on the turkey? I, we're actually doing turkey breast in the crock pot because it's just going to be uh, my mom and I and uh, my roommate. <laughs> the three of us. Just the three of us. You, I, and, and 
Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next week. Safe travels, everyone. This has been Zero Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Happy holidays, everyone. Gobble, gobble.